Hello everybody, welcome back to Farscape Rewatch Season 4, Episode 8. I am your host, Can't Wear Hats, and with me is Red Nightmare, as always. I'm feeling rather small today. Well, you know, it's the small things in life we have to appreciate. It's Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tiny little pleasures in life. <laughs> so yes, we are back for another episode of Farscape Rewatch, and this one is titled, I Shrink Therefore I Am. Let's just get that out of the way with this yeah. pun. This, yeah. It's it's pretty good, let's be honest. It's pretty good. It's Yeah, it's pretty good, it's true. Also, we said this at the end of the last episode, but uh, it's this episode, you know, it's yes. the Everybody Shrinks episode, you know. <laughs> to be fair, it's not, they don't play it as the usual Everybody Shrinks episode, where it's like you, ha- you have to walk th- across a table with yeah. giant cups or something on it. Or like there's usually like a mouse that's chasing after you or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, the, the, you may have seen episodes like this in other like sci-fi shows or even like comedy series. It's... You know, it's like, how do I shrink the kids? It's basically, they're usually played for comedy. Mm-hmm. And aside from a few bits in this episode, it's not actually really played that much for comedy. No, and it's, it, it's the tiny people barely interact with anything bigger. There's like one yeah. scene in which it happens. <laughs> so yeah, we all will talk about that uh, as we go through this episode. But we open with Junkie Johnny and the Great Gazoo. <laughs> I think I have their first album. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, we actually do have a previously on Farscape. Oh, I'm sorry. That involves a bunch of, uh, you know, a few important details, such as Grazer's wanted beacon for the crew, specifically Mm -hmm. for John Crichton, and things like John and Aaron, you know, their relationship where they are at the moment. It's back in the kind of will-they-won't-they. At the end of the last episode, remember... Uh, Granny gave John a little sniff of a whatever it was a drug a root that, I think yeah that would make him forget about Aaron for a time and take the pain away and we weren't sure if he used it that time because we didn't see him use it at the end of the episode but it was heavily implied we're pretty sure now we're pretty sure now because we open uh, yeah John and Naranti are in a transport pod heading back to Moya they've been shopping they've got some food they've got some supplies and john is uh focusing on flying calling pilot who's not responding probably not in range and randy's like you want to get back soon don't you oh, i haven't seen that briefly we're only gone for a few hours it's like but you want to get back to aaron like john has all these flashes of his thoughts about aaron he's like oh, several arms i didn't think of her it's like ah the root must be working, and John just starts sniffing again. Yeah, he takes another dose. Also, like, oh, the root must be working. It's like, why did you mention Aaron then if you gave him the thing to make yeah. him forget? God damn it, Granny. You wanted the test, I guess? I, I suppose so. Uh, and also, I like how she says, says like, uh, I'm glad it's, uh, yeah, you find it necessary. And it's like, it's not necessary. It just it takes the edge off. I can quit any time <laughs> I want. <laughs> I can stop any time I want. I just, it takes the edge off. I'm like... Yeah, Junkie Johnny. That's it's in my notes. Yeah, and yeah, he has has some more of it. Also, while while she's giving the speech, she's basically giving him a neck massage. Yeah, it's a bit weird. He, but John John's kind of like staring off, distracted into the distance. He's not he's not really reacting to that. So, mm. but he he eventually gets on the comms with Pilot. Pilot wasn't picking up for a little bit, and then he's like, "Hey, there you are. Let's uh, let's see what's up. Where is everybody?" You know, get ready, we're coming in with some supplies. Tell everybody to help me carry groceries. And Pilot is like, um, nobody is available right now. <laughs> John says, hey, let me speak to Captain James T. Dargo. And Randy finds this incredibly funny, which annoys me to no end. 
for some reason. I don't. She doesn't get the joke. She just no. thinks it's the funniest, like, sounding thing, as far as I can tell. She I also guess. seems to be. She seems like she's had a little something as well. Mm, that makes sense. She's a little high, and when you're a little high, you're going to find any kind of random crap funny. <laughs> That's my read on this scene. This is very true. <laughs> That's how I read this scene. Anyway, he says, uh, look, uh, let me talk to Captain James T. Dargo. And it's like, he's not available right now. And we actually see inside Moya, we see that Pilot has got, like, cuffs on. And that Sokozu and Chiana also have cuffs on. And they're, sat, they're, like, sat down in front of Pilot's console. We can see that there's also somebody else there holding them hostage. Yeah, brandishing a knife gauntlet. Yeah, it pointed at Pilot. And Pilot says, Dargo is currently helping Rigel with his laundry. And Aaron is writing some poetry. <laughs> and John's like, okay, how about Sukozu and Chiana? And <laughs> Pilot says, they are enjoying each other's company, preparing a meal for everyone but Rigel. He's not hungry. And John's like, okay, prepare a docking bay for me. I'm, uh... I'll be there in a bit. Save some stew for me. Yeah, and then he shuts off the comms. He's like, okay, something's really wrong. And Ramsey's <laughs> like... Oh, isn't that nice? Everybody's getting along so well. i like, if Naranti were in charge of anything, we'd all be dead. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where the, John's like, oh, okay, something is very wrong. I just, I love that, that Pilot knows exactly what to say to, yeah. give, to give John a coded message that something is very wrong with the ship. Yeah, just say things that make no sense yes. for the people that he's known for three years Yeah, now. well, something that is explicitly against character. It's, sorry, I just—it's great to have Pilot back because we get little moments like this where yeah. he knows these people very well. I also like that as he's flying in, he's like, "Okay, apparently something's wrong. Maybe we're still in the game." Oh yeah, right. There's yeah. Brief mention of last episode, which I liked, or something else. Maybe Scorpius is really loose, but we need to do something. Yeah, and so the pod closes in on Moya, and then he sees that there's a ship with like kind of like three little spider legs like clamped onto the side of Moya. It's like, ah, we got intruders. All right, get ready. And what they do is Naranti ties herself to the pod, I think. Yeah, to part of the pod and has um, some more root or something. Yeah, that puts her into a vacuum sleep. Yeah, a vacuum coma that will last for about three arms. Yeah, and John suits up with a spacesuit. So we're going into vacuum, it seems. Going for a walk, boys and girls. Yeah, Uh, we also see then on command that there are a bunch of aliens in there and also we've got everyone else is tied up or sorry everyone else is cuffed you've got uh aaron and dargo and also rigel who's inside a single cuff with his head sticking out (laughs) which is kind of funny oh god trying to describe these alien bounty hunters what they look like they're just they're big guys they're covered head to toe in body armor they're kind of like if a Decepticon had sex with the Predator. Yes. I, like, yes. Like, and when we're talking Decepticon, I think we're talking... Like Michael, Michael Bay Decepticon. Yeah, Michael Bay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's what they look like. We could be here all day describing the individual little bits that they have, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what they look like. Yep. But yeah, like head-to-toe body armor, they look really tall and imposing, and they've got everybody... So they clearly they, they broke into the ship while uh john was out and they're also they're watching the wanted beacon that grazer put out 
15 million currency pledges for John Crichton. Alive. We never hear what he's worth dead. Yeah, he may not be worth anything dead, because they can't extract the wormhole knowledge. As John comes in with the pod, he is humming the soundtrack. Oh, yes! I I, I was going to mention this. So, right, actually, this was... Uh, as soon as he knows that there's something very bad going on and it starts to get his plan going, there's mm-hmm. some dramatic background music that comes up. It's like dum 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 bum bum like that. And John, yes, literally in time with it, he's going bum 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 bum. You're like, wait, wait a minute, mm-hmm, hang mm-hmm, on a minute, mm-hmm, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, no, no singing along to the background music. Okay, that's not not allowed. <laughs> that's rude. These people put a lot of work into you their background You get off that music. fourth wall, get down from there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've had it happen before where the background music is influenced by what he's singing, like the 1812 Overture, but this yeah. is in time. It's it's a weird thing, but I don't know, okay. It works. <laughs> it does actually work. It's not overdone, it's just a little thing that you could quite easily miss. So the aliens told Pilot to get Docking Bay 2 ready, and then they're like, wait... He's not coming into Docking Bay 2. <laughs> He's coming in on the wrong trajectory. Get all our men out of the ship. We're being assaulted. And then John just crashes the pod into their little, uh, yeah, little crawly uh, thingy. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's uh, that, when he actually crashes into the ship, which then explodes. That's when we go to titles, which is a great title cut. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I, I love that John is like smart enough to do figure this out but they're also smart enough to know that he's doing something We've got some intelligent opponents and when we come back we see the aliens standing around in command the bounty hunters and uh, their lead alien whose name is axical which only comes up like once or twice yeah but you know we we tend to do this like it makes it a hell of a lot easier to talk about in, yes. in a rewatch just to use the, the character's name oh does it he says like okay Crichton destroyed our boarding craft. I see why his bounty is so high now. Oh. Especially this guy looks so very cool. Because he also, like, he he has his shoulder, one of his shoulder plates has, like, red rims on it to signify him as the commander. Mm. All the other guys have, like, blue lighting on theirs. Yeah, and when, the, and when they talk, their eyes dim as if a mouth is speaking so that you're now just looking at an emotionless face, which I really like. Yeah, that's cool. And this guy has, like, a half cape over his right shoulder. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like the Stormtrooper sergeants with, like, the, the shoulder pad. You're like, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah, that yeah, one's yeah. different. He's in he's in charge. Shoot him first! <laughs> yeah. But uh, one of the other aliens says that uh, nobody could have survived that. And he's like, yeah, no, he's alive somewhere on board. And he's ingenious. So he sends his men out to go search for John. And then we see that John is actually, he's in, like, a ventilation duct yeah just getting out of his spacesuit like crawling along and i'm immediately i'm like all right so now we're die hard this is die hard yes this is die hard on moya this is die hard in space <laughs> <laughs> now i have a machine gun ho 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 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no john crawls actually crawls towards command and is just looking in through the vent as our little commander is uh, talking to Aaron and Dargo. And Rigel is there as well. And, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rigel actually says, like, who are you? And he just says back to him, he's like, I am your captor. And Rigel's like, was, oh, no, only temporarily. And then Axicor's like, tell Crichton to come to command. Get him here. Dargo and Aaron are like, no. Yeah, well, Dar- Dargo actually says, you tell him yourself. You're being most uncooperative. We'll take these manacles off and see how uncooperative I can be. Yeah. Also, they're clearly like magnetic cuffs because they're like 
like stuck to a table or to the floor so um, they can't actually move and Axicor says the longer that this goes on for the more likely it is that one of you will end up dead and so John's listening in and Axicor then like threatens Dargo with a knife yeah and then opens comms and says look Crichton if you come now they your friends will not be harmed but if you resist we'll take it out on your shipmates yep and then he pushes a button on his wrist and Erin's cuff, like, give, cuffs give her a shock. You can see visibly see her winch in pain. She doesn't cry out or anything, because she's a hardened soldier, but... And so one of Axicor's men comes back and says that, Well, our ship is completely destroyed. Nothing is salvaged. We should prepare a transport pod for escape. And Axicor's like, No, that has no weapons. We would be a sitting duck if we took that. We'd be attacked by other bounty hunters. I'm like, okay, so you're bounty hunters. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and they say, well call grazer and have the one carrier come pick us up say no we will call grazer when we have Crichton, not before Mm -hmm. yep so it's also it's clear axicor their leader is a very intelligent opponent he's very intelligent guy he's thinking things through yep and so as john is listening in on this he starts to have more flashes and feelings about aaron yeah he's not so much forgetting her as his oppressive memories are being pushed back by this route yeah, it's like if you've ever tried to... Not think of a pink elephant. I think that's the thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, don't think about elephants. What are you thinking about elephants? And you'll forget about it, and then something will flash up, and you'll be like, ah, oh, goddammit, I was trying to forget. And that's what happens to John in the vent. So he takes out another bit of the root and has another sniff. But that causes... I think it causes his heart rate to amp up. Well, first of all, I, th- I think what happens is they hear or Axicor hears the sniff and like does up his senses and then can hear John's heart rate change so he can hear that he's above them in the ducts remember who else could hear that grazer oh yes during their whole kerfuffle when he sniffed something that basically did the same thing she also heard his heartbeat oh consistency there might be a connection here i was almost like wait hang on did grazer give them his heartbeat (laughs) to track him on (laughs) well no i i don't think so i i like that though that there's that continuity Mm. of this similar effect producing that you know elevated heartbeat that can be heard so i like i like that i don't i i think it's maybe a step too far to say that grazer told them because they're clearly bounty hunters looking to collect not necessarily working with the peacekeepers no that's true so anyway they know he's up there or at least they think he's up there they can kind of hear and Aaron and dargo realize this yeah and they're like we should really negotiate yes and they both start speaking in their native tongue and rigel chimes in as he catches on and that basically just messes up their whole hearing. Yeah, it distracts them. They're like, wait, what, what? And that gives John a chance to escape. But they're like, no, okay, we know he's in the ducts. And then one of the, his men says, we should follow him up there. It's like, no, we will draw him out by threatening his friends. Yeah, and he walks up to Rigel and it's like, you there, who does he care most about? Well, me, of course. And then we hear as Rigel has his mouth shut, well, probably Aaron and uh, maybe Chiana next. And he asks another question. He says, what's John going to do now? And he says, well, he'll probably go to the kitchen and have a nice meal. And then we hear, again, Rigel's thoughts, which are, well, probably go to his rooms, weapon up, maybe even get that sh- Tarkin shield generator and uh, give these guys a f- big whoop- ass whooping. 
Yeah, so it seems like Axako can read Rigel's mind. I mean, he's not he's not that. No, actually, Rigel is a pretty good liar. Yeah, he's he, you know, he's book. very good at lying. Yeah, I would now describe that man as an open book. So oh. he, okay, so he's a mind reader. All right, okay. Shit. He's a really intelligent bad guy. He's a mind reader. We're in a lot of trouble here. I just, you know. He seems to be wearing very tough armor. Yeah, things are not looking good. So he orders his men to go to find Crichton's quarters, look for a body shield, then head to Pilot's Den, because that's where he'll probably head afterwards. So then we actually go to Pilot's Den, and we see Chiana and Sokozu, who are still, you know, handcuffed, and they're actually sitting back to back. And Chiana whispers to Sokozu, like, hey, Look, if we get a distraction, can you, like, run up a wall and get away or something? She's like, I can't do that with these frowling cuffs on. <laughs> Chiana's like, oh, with these what cuffs on? Oh, I'm so glad we've expanded your vocabulary. <laughs> Apparently that was Sukozu's first swear. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So They, they grow up so fast. <laughs> this, this crew is a bad influence. <laughs> bad influence on... I young, disagree. Young, impressionable children. <laughs> <laughs> Teaching oh, them to man, swear. Nice. They'll be smoking death sticks next. <laughs> John's taking drugs. I mean... <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Their dealer is floating outside in the vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a responsible group of people. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. All right. So, anyway, Sokozu can't make uh, an escape. But then... Sukozu says it's like hey you over there I have a proposition for you and it's like go with it Chiana and she's like uh okay and Chiana's like hey you come over here Chiana just completely stonewalls Sukozu's yeah. attempt here and she goes with her with a, a typical kind of flirty approach mm-hmm. and like hey come over here don't you get hard in that armor and he's like look if I wanted you I would take you and like puts a knife to her face it's like, ah, okay. John is seeing this through a vent, by the way. Yeah, he's he's also he's found his way down there. Because they're right, that's where he was going to go, to Pilot's Den. And then Sokozu's like, hey, leave him alone. Leave Chiana alone. And so the uh, bounty hunter, he stands up, says, I'll show both of you. And then Pilot yells at him. He's like, hey, leave him alone. You Don't be mean to them. And they're like, shut up, Pilot. And John, yeah, basically John can't go to either of the locations he would have wanted to go to. Because he actually heard them over the comms, being like, look, we're heading here. Uh, I, I, actually, not over the comms. I think he was still listening in on the commander or something. Yeah. So instead, John goes to the cargo bay, and we see him like drop down from a vent. He throws his spacesuit out and then drops down. And there are a bunch of DRDs there that are all shut off. So they disabled Moya's DRDs. Then we like have a quick scene of one of the other bounty hunters says to Axicor's like, I've, I found Crichton's quarters. He's not here. We've taken his stuff. Yeah, so, so much for the shield belt. Yep. So John goes to Scorpius's cell. But before then, he, again, he is humming along with the soundtrack. Yeah, it happens again. It happens a second time. Yeah. Of like some bum ba bum ba bum ba da da dum ba bum Yeah, it's like, it's not like an identifiable tune, but it's like, you know, dramatic background music. Yeah. So he goes to Scorpius's cell, which is empty. Scorpius isn't there. Yeah, I, I'm still interested why he had had it for Scorpius's chambers. Well, because everybody else was accounted for. I guess so. I guess he wanted to see if he also had to worry about Scorpius. Yeah, well, Scorpius is not in his cell, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> But while he's searching, around this time he finds 1812. Yeah, 1812 is uh, in the cell of Scorpius, and John just taps him. He's like, hey, 
1812. And 1812 actually activates. It's like playing possum, huh? Clever. And it's like, all right, you think you can get any of your brothers up and running? And it's like, all right, good boy. And so he takes um, 1812 with him and to, you know, activate some DRDs, build his own resistance. In the meantime, I think he dodges one of the hunters at some point, but it's yeah, not right, really right. that. It's like hide behind around the door as they look in menacingly, not yeah, yeah. looking to the side and then leaving again. Like, okay. <laughs> so we go back up to command and Dargo's actually, he's saying to Axikor, like, hey, relax, you'll see Crichton soon enough. And Aaron says, like, a microp before he kills you. Ooh. And he is he is impressed how much guts they're showing, despite completely help, being completely helpless. Yeah. It's like, your, your loyalty, I think, or your, you know, your faith in your friend is, is admirable or impressive, but mm-hmm. you're still going to die. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we cut back again to john who's managed to scrounge up some weapons yeah and a few drds that 1812 is working on and then we see out from behind like a i think they're they, it seems like they're in like a neural cluster or some yeah mechanical like bit of moya and scorpius comes out from behind like a pillar right across from where john is sitting it's like they're very close actually i like how scorpius comes around the corner it's like hello john and John just relatively casually pulls his pistol and points it at him. And it's like, almost unfazed. It's like, ah, well, guess you called these guys in, huh? Yeah, it's like you sold us out. And Scopius is like, nothing of the kind. And it's like, well, why aren't you tied up with the rest of them? He's like, well, the only reason I've evaded capture is because the bounty hunters don't know I'm here. And I was gone by the time they got to my cell. It's like, oh, how did you get out? You, We forgot to lock the door. Yeah, it's like, let me guess. It's like... No, John, I opened the door. Wait, with your bare hands? Yes, it was wholly inadequate. He said gloved, but yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. He's like, gloved hands, but yes. <laughs> like that. a tiny bit of, like, glibness. God, I love Scorpius so much. Yeah, and it's like, wait, you could have done that the whole time? You could have left that cell whenever you wanted? And he's like, yes, but I didn't want to. I never wanted to. And so John slowly puts his gun down and is seemingly believe scorpius or is ready to not trust him but is hearing him out and scorpius says like the bounty hunters captured the crew in a matter of microts immobilized everybody all the escape craft and drds except this one john's like yeah 1812 he's on a different wavelength because he's from another leviathan yeah Ah, that makes sense nice i like that and so they're like, okay, we've got to come up with a plan to take them down. John's getting like some big guns, like a big bazooka. He get he gets like the big multi blaster that Dargo sometimes uses. Just he's like, oh, I already have a plan. Points it at Scorpius and is like, I'm going wabbit hunting. Uh, <laughs> did you did you catch the subtlety in that one? He's pointing the gun at Harvey. <laughs> oh yes, going wabbit hunting. Wabbit Harvey. hunting. Also, Harvey is the invisible rabbit from the movie. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. I mean, it's not not it's actual Scorpius, but yeah, I it's... like I like that teeny tiny bit of maybe not even intentional, but yeah, because Scorpius is like you know we can't take them like we're outnumbered and outmatched, and John's like no, we'll take them down one by one. It's like, by luring them into an ambush, Scorpius says. John also says, yeah, like Die Hard. Oh, he does. Yes, he does. Right. Sorry. He legit says Die Hard. Yes. I was like, I I put it down in my notes, you know, while when he was in the vents. 
It's like, oh, this is Die Hard now. And then when he says, we'll lure them into an ambush one by one, like Die Hard, I was like, yes, John, yes. <laughs> of course he would make that reference. Of course no. he would. But so, so yeah, Scorpius is like, well, you could do with some assistance for that. And John's like, you really think our relationship has progressed that far? Because Scorpius wants a gun. Yeah, and eventually John hands him a pulse rifle. Just remember whose side you're on. So here it is. John and Scorpy working together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so we then see them get ready to spring their trap. They go into the fan room. Hey, we're using that set. Well, I mean, we've built the set now. Might as well use it. <laughs> Which was in natural election. I-, I like how one of the fans is still not there. They're still <laughs> missing one. Yeah. And so they go in and he comms Axicor. Uh, and it's like, hey, so what's up? John Crichton here. <laughs> Like, okay, first of all, money. We can pay you more than the peacekeepers will. Which is totally bullshit. <laughs> That's not the point. <laughs> I know. It's a massive bluff, and he's trying to lure him in anyway. Yeah, and uh, it is clear that Exocor is like, I have no interest in that. And uh, you should turn yourself in to spare the suffering of the others. And you know what I love about this, which is so subtle, or it was a little bit subtle at least, is that mm. the reason John goes into the fan room is so that Axicore will hear the noise of the fans and figure out where he is. Yeah. And they yeah, don't yeah, say yeah. this in dialogue. It's just over the course of the scene, like there isn't like a close up on the fans. We just, we can hear it in the background of the. Yeah. It's so clearly there. Yeah. And he's like, hmm, they're in the fan room. Go get him. And I'm like, oh, that's exactly what John wanted him to do. That's really clever. I like that. And I also like that. As John is basically goading Axicore, Scorpius at some point says, "Like, oh, well done, John. It worked. Screw you." Yeah, because because John like makes fun of him, which just pisses Axicore off. He's like, "Oh, well done, John." <laughs> and I like that John's response is, "Screw you." It's like, no, we are not friends. Shut up. No bantering. I did not give you permission to banter. <laughs> You have not earned those privileges yet, Scorpy. What do you think this is, Cheeky Nandos? <laughs> cheeky Space Nandos. <laughs> References I get now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ledge, we ledge, mate, ledge. Anyway. Nope, nope. There it goes it's again. Gone again. Well, there, there it goes. Oh well. Short-lived victory. <laughs> So, okay, Axicor sends one of his men up, and uh, Scorpion and John are waiting for him. Yeah, they're hidden. And so one the guy comes in, the uh, bounty hunter comes in, looks around, and Scorpius like, does his best, like, one-liner, because he comes around with a pulse rifle, and he's like, looking for someone, and then it doesn't fire, it's out of ammo. <laughs> yeah, and he looks over to to where he came from, It's like, ah, very funny, John. Well, he actually says, thank you, John. <laughs> right, <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, John. And then he gets shot. He gets shot in the chest by yeah. the um, bounty hunter. He's like, gets knocked to the ground. John comes out with the bazooka blaster thing yeah. and shoots the bounty hunter a couple times. And he's like, There's bounty hunter, he shoots him once and it's just sparks go flying off and he's just standing there. And John's like, okay, fires twice. He gets The man gets knocked to his butt a little bit, but gets up right away. And just you hear him chuckle. And John's like... Fine, fires three times and the guy actually stays down. Yeah, he just unloads the entire gun into him. And then he's like, alright, there we go. So, we got him. And Scorpius sits up and he's like... John turns around and like, hey, you're alright then. He's like, how's your ribs? Fine, my armor did its job, unlike my weapon. So they examine the bounty hunter and they're like, okay, hard armor. And they take the top off, or take the headpiece off, and there's just... 
just like red like goop and it's like fibrous a little bit yeah. on the inside john calls it pumpkin head yeah it's, it's kind of like pumpkin like flesh from the inside mm-hmm. except it's red and it's like oh crunchy on the outside soft on the inside <laughs> scorpius is like okay well we took one of them down and he's like well at least we have a weapon that works and john's like no no that thing is empty you can have it if you want <laughs> Scorpius is like, oh god, I may have joined the wrong side. Yes, I love Scorpius' lines. He's so good in this. Also, you want to know a fun behind-the-scenes fact here? Always. In the original draft of the script, that gun that Scorpius was given was loaded. It wasn't firing blanks. But mm-hmm. both Ben Browder and Wayne Pigram were like, Crichton wouldn't give Scorpius a loaded weapon. Uh, no. <laughs> They're like, like, and 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 apparently like Ben Browder was like, ah, maybe it's firing blanks, and he's like, ah, that's good, and so they suggest that to the scriptwriter or the director, and like, all right, let's go with that, and it's, <laughs> I like that. I like this so much better because especially the, him just turning around, it's like, thank you, John. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but yes, of course he wouldn't give him a loaded weapon. No, John's not crazy. Well, that's debatable. Anyway. Yeah, fair. So we cut back to Axacor, and he's been informed, like, one of our men is dead. And Dargo, Rigel, and Aaron are like, we tried to tell you about John, you know, we warned you. <laughs> I like that Rigel says they never listen. <laughs> Axacor's like, all right, well, it's still early. We shall initiate our containment plan. So, all right, stage two. Buckle up the hatches? I guess. So we go to see John and Scorpy again, back where they were, where they were sort of getting geared up. And John's counting his weapon. He's like, okay, I got Winona and another pulse pistol. This gun's out of ammo. That gun's out of ammo. We have two pulse rifles and four DRDs. We could always try the pulse chamber overload trick. And Scorpy's like, yeah, if you if you can get them close enough. It's like, oh, I'll need a volunteer for this dangerous mission. (laughs) And I like that Scorpius says, oh, the torment never ends. (laughs) But John is like, hey, nobody asked you, because he was talking to 1812. Yeah, nobody asked you, buddy. (laughs) And so we then see uh, in Pilot's Den, one of the bounty hunters asks for Sokozu to stand up. There's a keypad on his arm that he starts typing away at. And from the other hand, a little um, rod like folds out from underneath and it's got like a little red blinking light on the end of it. So he's typing that in, it flicks out. While he's typing, Chiana has one of her slow-mo flashes. Yeah, which is a good idea, you know, see what this code is, what does it do. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I don't think that was intentional. No, I think, I think it was. I give Chiana, you know, the benefit of the doubt here of being like, no, she's, be- she's being smart. About the this. thing is, I, I don't know if she's able to do this on command or not. Well, remember, during Crichton Kicks, she did it on command when they went up and down the pulley thing. It's unclear if that was just lucky coincidence or no, not. No, it was a... It was a de- no, no, go back and watch that episode. It was a deliberate part of the plan. I know, it was a deliberate part of the plan. So you but... can't... It can't be a coincidence, then. I guess so. <laughs> I don't. I don't. The thing is, we haven't had this explained yet. No, but I. I think it's. I think it's fairly clear that she can control it. the The problem is what she doesn't have control over is when she turns blind afterwards, and it goes gets longer and longer. And remember, she was using it to cheat at casinos. Wasn't that still when she could see the future instead of just slowed down time? It morphed into the that thing. It was bit of both yeah it was like it was weird yeah so anyway she she sees this combination 
and um, commits it to memory. And so what this thing does, the guy points it at Sokozu, and now we have the part of the episode we were all waiting for. Yes. Sokozu gets shrunk to tiny size. You have tiny little Sokozu. She's like an inch tall or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and like, um, okay. <laughs> and so then we cut back up to command. Axel says to Dargus, like, get up. Rigel distracts Axicor by trying by just talking at him, and Eren goes to attack him. Yeah, and while this is happening, Dargo quickly uses his tongue to grab the com badge that was on the table and pulls it in, into his mouth, and then attacks Axicor, who just like knocks him down really easily. Yeah, and then shrinks him. Yep, gets the thing out, does the same thing, shrinks him, puts him, and then like he there's so part of the armor on his chest, there's a like a circular bit with like a blue light on it, which he twists. And unscrews from the chest piece, and it's basically it's a little jar that he then puts Dargo in. <laughs> yeah, he just puts it over Dargo, and because the they're they're still wearing the um, prism manacles, those basically magnetize the side of the little tube, and he just sticks it back into his chest. Yeah, so he's carrying around Dargo in that little container inside him, and then he comes Crichton. It's like you, and points at Aaron's like, tell Crichton what you just saw. And Aaron says, like, John, don't say anything, just listen. And she describes, she says, like, they've shrunk Dargo somehow to minuscule size, no longer than a hand length. He's imprisoned inside the head bounty hunter. And Axicor's like, and the others will follow. And so if you kill one of my men, you will kill one or more of your crew. So give yourself up. And then Aaron starts rambling, like, it's controlled by a number pad on the left arm, blah, blah, blah. And then she just gets knocked out and shrunk. Yep. Like, I I like Axicor. Like, he has plans on top of plans. Mm. I like this also as a protection plan. It's like, no, we just do this and now he can't hurt us. Also... I just realized this makes perfect sense for a bounty hunter. This is how you catch your prey. Yeah, and you can you could carry so many bounties at once. Yeah, it's like <laughs> three or four. I'm just, just gonna like, turn them all in. Yeah, here you go. You don't have you don't have to carry them in any complicated way. You yeah. just do this, <laughs> stick them in. You don't have to carry like a body. You just go in. Don't have to freeze them in carbonite. You know, you can no, <laughs> just no. stick them inside your chest. Yeah, and you just take them somewhere then. Get him back to regular size, feed him and stuff like that in a proper cell, but... How how weird would it be if a bounty hunter was coming after you saying, I want you inside me? I wouldn't be certain it was a bounty hunter <laughs> at that point. Be like, I'm not sure where this is going. Not on my first date, I guess. <laughs> Buy them dinner be... first, is what we're saying. Yeah, at least. <laughs> least. Uh, yeah, actually, that's true. Exico should have bought Dargo dinner first before putting him inside him. <laughs> so... Anyway, move... God damn it, Hats. I refuse to apologize for that. Uh. Okay, so then Scorpius... We see Scorpius and John again, and Scorpius is telling John, like, you can't give up. You know, you have to press on. But Scorpius seems to not be doing too well. Yeah, John's like, oh, look, who's giving up? By the way, you're the one that's not looking that well. Yeah, no, I'm overheating. I need a, I need a new rod. And John's like, well, tough shit. <laughs> but what Scorpius actually is able to recall, he's like... You know, I recall a Peacekeeper file about an alien race called the Karishi, and they were known for constructing different types of prison cell, and they reputed to possess reduction technology. Yeah, they were also, like, bio-organically able to take on many forms, I think, which is why they look like pumpkin intestines. And so he's like, okay, so these must be Karishi. 
And uh, Scorpius says, well, if he's keeping the prisoners alive, the container must be near impossible to damage. So if we shoot them in the chest, they should be okay. Or, you know, if we if we kill them, maybe your friends will survive. And John's like, no, I can't take that chance. And I like that Scorpius says, well, what cho- other choice is there? I'm like, this is John Crichton. There is always a third option. Yep. And so we then see uh, Sokozu and Rigel waking up, or Rigel waking up from being unconscious inside one of the containers i love this scene so much this is a fantastic scene so this is so good so they're both you know magnetized to the side so they can't move and so rigel comes to and he's like all right what's happened what's going on and because he was knocked out and so sikosa explains that they've been shrunk down but then she's like no wait no that no we can't have been shrunk down that's impossible i also like how sikosa is way more stressed out at this point than rigel rigel's like ah prison cell like any other yeah but she says like okay no we can't have been shrunk down because if removing a number of atoms from our bodies would leave our brains too simple to function yeah rigel's like well then they must have shrunk all their atoms but sikosa says well if no if they'd made our atoms smaller then we couldn't breathe normal-sized air atoms. Like, do you see? This can't be happening. Also, uh, funnily enough, actually, that reminded me of the... Uh, there's the DS9, Deep Space Nine episode of Star Trek um, called uh, One Little Ship, where they shrink uh, a little a runabout, a shuttle gets shrunk, and they have to deal with that same problem, that they can't breathe normal-sized air molecules. Mm. And so they have to transport air into the bits where they try and go. I just, I, I like that. It's like, oh, somebody thought about that. Yeah. But Sokozu is like, well, no, th- we couldn't be breathing air if we were shrunk that way. So this can't be possible. Yeah, so this is impossible and can't be happening. And I love Rigel's comeback because he's like, so, would you just like to believe that this is a hallucination? Would that help make you feel better? Your child. And she says this, the perfect and the most childish response as well. of like, I am not a child. No, you're an infant. You have no experience. You only have, you've only read books. Yeah. Do you consider yourself intelligent? And it's like, yes. Then stop acting like a child. He says, like, you don't have any experience. And then she retorts like you do and rigel says yes i have been alive long enough to know that i know very little i do not expect the universe to follow my preconceived notions but i know a frelling fact when it hits me in the face yes (laughs) oh yeah it's like this is happening it's done and that's that we're here and we have to deal with it. I love the fact that, one, usually we want to go into the science part of it. I love that this just goes right, cuts right through it. It's like, it doesn't matter because it's not important right now. This is a fact that they have to deal with. How it works, they don't know. To use like a TV tropes term, it's uh, it's being lampshaded. Which means, you know, they're, they're referencing the fact that this is a ridiculous uh, piece of science fiction. But also saying like, Look, that's not important. Don't worry about it. We have to deal with it. Yeah, and what I love is that they, what what they as well do is they wrap it in this beautiful contrast between Rigel and Sokozu. Sokozu, who is very book smart, but Rigel has just so much life experience. It's like, look, you know nothing. You are so incredibly young. And yes, you can be like, oh, this can't be happening. Well, it is happening. Deal with it. And apparently the universe doesn't, follow the notion the little details or signs that you have get used to it (laughs) yeah it's really well done i like that scene a lot it's really good my favorite scene in the episode easily 
It's nice. So yeah, also just once again, like showing that Sokozu's character is very nicely developed by this scene of like she's a bratty, intelligent, but not experienced, you know, basically a child, certainly by Rigel's standards. So yeah, it's really well done. So then the next scene is we see John and Scorpius again with 1812 setting the bait for their next trap. And Scorpius is smoking from the side of his uh, head. Yeah, and John's like, you do know smoking is bad for you, right? He's like, well, Sokozu's replacement cooling rods that she's made for him don't work as well in times of exertion. Like, well, then don't exert yourself. Go lie down. Yeah. (laughs) Sit this one out. I love that Scorpius says, how have you survived this far? (laughs) Yeah, now he's getting to see how John does his plans. He's like, how? How have you survived so long? It's like, there's also, like, I might just have been imposing that on this scene, but I also heard a tinge of respect. Like, how have you been surviving this long (laughs) under these always suboptimal circumstances? And John says it's like, good looks, winning personality, (laughs) charm, yeah. And so they've put the pulse pistol down on the ground in the corridor. They're going to do the overload trick. And so uh, one of Axicor's men hears their noises, and so he's like, goes down the corridor, and they hide around a corner. And so he sees the pulse pistol on the floor, looks down, looks up, and tells Crichton to come out, and says, "If you destroy me, you destroy Aaron and Chiana. I'm told you care for them." Also, you're definitely not going to hurt me with this. And he shrinks down the pulse pistol, and you just see a, <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> as it explodes. <laughs> it's like really. A pulse pistol overload. You're not very creative, are you? 1812? So at the beginning of this scene, John was actually patting 1812 uh, on the side as he was welding something on the side of the... uh, on the wall of the corridor. And what it was, was the pulse pistol was the bait and the real trap was a bear trap. Like a piece of the wall, like, swings down and gets the um, bounty hunter by the neck and pins him to the wall. He basically dislodged it, which meant that tension that is on these quarter ribs just slams it into the side and just grabs this guy by the throat and just pierces him against the wall and it's like... John's like... Bear trap. Crude, but creative. <laughs> also, like, the Scorpius didn't realize that's what he was doing. Because the Scorpius is like, the pulse pistol, it's not going to work. It's like, how have you survived this far? And then, see? Bear trap. <laughs> like, oh, well, okay. And so John finds the, well, Scorpius is like, ah, oh, they'll be in here in the chest, this bit. And so he unscrews it and takes it out. Oh, no, no, no. They don't unscrew it just easily. 1812 has to unload on that thing. Right. And even then it doesn't come out. And because they can hear the other bounty hunters coming to this position, Scorpius is like, stand aside, hands his rifle to John, just starts pulling it out. It takes a moment, he just rips it out, hands it to John. At this point, the bounty hunters show up. So John just makes a beeline for it, but gets shot in the ankle. And then Scorpius says, it's like, John, just run. I'll be the decoy. And he, he puts his hands up as the uh, bounty hunters advance on him, and they capture him. He puts up a little bit of a fight. Yeah, he punches them once or twice, but they're just very easily, they grab him. Oh yeah, he puts up a fight, it's not a very effective fight. So John takes Chiana and Aaron in the little uh, holding device to a hiding place. It looks like somewhere in like the maintenance bay, or a cargo hold, or somewhere on the ship. And he looks inside, we get a shot from inside of the two of them, like... like, uh, 
stuck to the wall by the cuffs. And we see John's face like giant at one end. Yeah. And Chiana and Aaron were in this one. John's like, you you okay in there? And they're like, yeah, we're fine. But Chiana's blind from her uh, uh, bullet time vision earlier. John says, okay, my first priority is to get you guys out of there and back up to size. And Aaron corrects him. He's like, no, it's to get the others safe. And John's like, right. And he takes another sniff of his root because his feelings for Aaron are clouding his judgment again. And so Axacor gets on the comms again and says to John, like, if you turn yourself in... I will restore the females you have to full size and set them free. And John's like, well, you're suddenly being very generous. What about the others? And he says, like, you're costing me money and time. I'll pass up the females' bounties in exchange for you. And when asked about the others, he says, well, I'm not that generous. <laughs> I like that. It's like, yeah, I believe that. He's not going to give him everything. Yeah. And so Chiara and Aaron... Uh, say that they can't actually tell John where the... They don't know where they put the others. Like, they know they got Sokozu and Dargo, but in who's who, who's where? Yeah, we don't know. And Chiana says that using her visions, she knows the codes to remove the handcuffs and to shrink things. It's controlled by a thing on their wrist, she tells John. And he's like, ah, great, that's good, that's good to know. And Aaron says, like, okay, what do you have? Well, okay... Got no handset, no thing to unshrink you, just a few weapons, and they can barely touch the uh, bounty hunters. Yeah, because their armor is way too thick. It's like, I have a few DRDs. Okay. Where's the old woman? Aaron asks. John's like, ah. Uh... Cut to. <laughs> Cut to command. And the Axicor and the, the rest of the bounty hunters are sort of making plans. And we see in the back through the forward portal or the view screen, we see Naranti just floating out there. And there seems to be like, there's like a little piece of rope coming off her leg, so she may be tied yeah. somewhere up. She's probably, I think John pulled her away yes, when right. they jumped, and he just tied her down somewhere outside. It's like, uh, okay, well, why he didn't bring her inside, I don't know, but... <laughs> well, she can go into a vacuum coma for three arms, so she'll be fine out there. They could have just left her in the cargo hole, in, in like... In, like, the, the um, air tubes or something. It's I like, suppose okay. so, yeah. <laughs> but she's just floating out there in the background while they're talking and they do not notice her. <laughs> I think Scorpius, who is lying on the table half unconscious, does notice, but it probably going anything. through his hand, head is like, oh, wow, these rods are really bad. I'm starting to see things. <laughs> or just like, you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. You know, <laughs> I got other stuff to worry about. Yeah. Because he's been captured by, you know, captured by the bounty hunters, taken to Axacor, and Axacor is like, why are you here? Because Axacor knows who he is now. Yeah, because when the other bounty hunters have left, Axacor's the only one left, and he's like, Scorpius. Why are you here? Scorpius says, because you captured me. <laughs> it's like, uh, why, why, do you, why else do you think I'm here? And so Axacor tries to read Scorpius's mind like he did before to the others, but Scorpius says in Scarron, and we get subtitles again for this, that won't work on me. And Exacor is like, oh, so you know who I am. And Scorpius says, well, that armor won't fool me. I know what you are. And Axacor says, well, you should bow down. And there's a great line from Scorpius where he says, entropy will claim the universe before I bow down to a Scarron. Not even for one of the ruling caste. And he takes off his helmet. Or like... The ruling class. The, ru the ruling order. The, sorry, the ruling order. Especially not the ruling order, Scorpius counters. And he takes the helmet off, just briefly, and we see his face, and he's 
Again, like, it's yet another design of Scarron. I like this design, though. Yeah, and it's also explicitly, like, it's a ruling order of Scarron, so perhaps they ha- they do have some kind of, I guess, caste-based system, depend- which has the different, like, subspecies, I suppose? Also, there's the fact, like, that not all humans look alike. Yeah, but this is, like, a high level of difference. Not just... It's beyond, like, you know, skin colour or, like, different facial features. This is, like, he has a smoother head and, like, doesn't have massive, gigantic cheekbones and and huge teeth and, like, a jutting-out face and, or, like, or nostrils. Or, like, scales. Or scales. Yeah, he's a lot smoother. He's, you know what he reminds me of, actually? A little bit of, without, like, the mouth parts, but, like, Creature from the Black Lagoon a little bit. Yeah, I see what you mean. Or if you've played for the Fallout games, the Myrlurk Kings from Fallout 3. Yeah, a little bit like that as well. Similar head design. But, yeah, so he's got a smooth forehead and, like, less makeup. In fact, the um, cheekbones and, like, eyebrow ridges of bone look actually vaguely similar to Scorpius. Mm. That pronounced, like, eyebrow socket, or pronounced eye socket. But it it, it looks more human than the other types of Scarron we've seen so far. Yep. Yeah, it's a really cool design. Yeah, I really like this guy. He's got a few, like, red scales on uh, the top and side of his head. And, f- and a few black ones the in the back of his neck, I think. Yeah, it's really good. But so he puts the helmet back on, and mm. Scorp is like, do your men know? Because it, it, he's hiding amongst these bounty hunters. They don't know that he's a Scarron. Yeah, and Scorpius is impressed, like, getting yourself grafted into one of these armors. It's, like, ingenious. How many peacekeepers have given you or- orders without them even knowing you are Scarrens? Like, too many to count. Yeah, so he's a Scarron spy. Yeah. <laughs> and Scorpius realizes that, wait, you're not after John. then. You're not after him for the money. You don't want the bounty. You want to take him to the Scarrens. And Axicor says, like, we're eager to know why you and Grazer are so interested in Crichton. But capturing you is a bonus beyond measure, and I will take great pleasure in taking you home. Mm. I find it interesting that the Scarrens apparently haven't figured out how important John is. Despite Grazer saying that they did. Yeah, right. We've heard that before, that, like, the Scarrens want him. And they, they were downloading data from furlough. I mean... All the data downloaded from furlough died in the use of the wormhole weapon. Yeah, but at least previous to this, prior to this, what I thought had happened was that they knew from that that Crichton knew about wormholes because it was based on Crichton's research. Could be, like, tiny bits of info could have been leaked. It was never explicit, but that's what I figured had happened. But clearly the Scarrens don't know why John is so important. Yeah, and Grazer's intel is apparently uh, bad. Or at the very least, like, Grazer hasn't told anybody (laughs) why. Yeah, that's fair. And part of the reason Grazer actually wants Crichton at the moment is not actually because of anything to do with wormholes. (laughs) It's It's pure revenge. Yeah, it's revenge because he made her look bad. You know, that's not why she wants him. And they blew up a command carrier. Okay, that's fair. The command carrier is fair. And we see all that Grazer doesn't care about wormholes. Not yet. She considers it a nice bonus. Which is also why I believe that there is a, if you bring me John Crichton dead, this is how much money you get price. I see, yeah. (laughs) Because it's like, then she'll get the revenge, but not the wormholes, whatever. Hmm. So the Scarrens don't know why he's important and they want to find out. But Scorpius just says to Axicor, like, I'll see you dead. But he gets shrunk for his trouble. He gets put in the uh, 
chest holding device in Axicore, which is the one with Dargo in it. Yeah. We have we now have Tiny Gip Man action figure. <laughs> <gasps> Do you think that the Scorpius action figure would have replaceable replaceable rods? Oh, that would be like the deluxe version. Yeah. You know, like the one that's like larger and has like more points of articulation. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Not the t- not the tiny plastic one that can just move its legs forward and backwards and hands just. Well, what that to one side. might have is like you press the button on its back and the side pops out, but you can't yeah, you, you can't can... replace the rod. It's no, just... you can. You have to pop uh, push it back in. With yeah, a spring and it like or clicks back in like a yeah, like, yeah, 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 like yeah, a ballpoint yeah. pen. Yeah. yeah, 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 something like that. <laughs> Oh, how great would it be if you had like a Scorpius lighter where the thing comes out the side and that's where the the flame comes from? <gasps> yes. Uh, see, <laughs> hire us, Farscape marketing people from two thousand and two. Quick, we need to go back. We need to make millions, Marty. We have to go back. We're gonna get rich, Marty. So, okay, we've gone to see what John's up to, and he's getting another trap put together. And what he's done is he's put DRDs on crates pointed at uh, the doorway and he's checking in on Chana and Aaron. Chana's sight is just about coming back. She can make out colours and shapes. Oh, that reminds me, we forgot a, a tiny little scene that I also like where Chiana and Aaron are talking. Oh, about... yes, yes, you're right. Okay, we'll skip back a little bit when they just escaped from the chest of that hunter. Chiana was worried about the fact that maybe this was like, this was the one time that she remained blind and she hates the feeling of being blind and not knowing if it's gonna go away yeah and th- there's just darkness and not being able to see what's coming terrifies her and Aaron tries to comfort her but like i do like that legit fear like am i now blind forever and just Gigi actually really sells that fear yeah yeah she does a really good job in fact like it's all basically it's close-ups on chiana for this and we actually see her eyes that they've put like white contacts in so that look really cool by the way yeah it's it's white irises not like a full like white you know um mm-hmm. eyeball but so yeah you can so you can tell when she's blind or when she can see so yeah she she sells that really well she does a really good job with that scene so fast forward to john set up the trap checks in on chiana her sight's kind of coming back and then uh we see scorpius and dargo in their container and uh dargo spits out the com from his uh, mouth and scorpius is like you've had that we need to contact john we have to tell him something like one of them is a scaring spy but yeah dargo dargo wants answers it's like okay dude were you involved in this what's going on here how do you know this yeah and so we cut back and forth between this and john setting up john's finalizing his preparations putting the last drds in place because his plan is that the drds are going to shoot the neck area of the hunter and just basically take shear his head off yeah decapitate him and then they can take the container out of the chest so yeah when john's setting up this trap actually he like he moves aaron and chiana to a safer spot where he like rolls them along the top of the yeah. crate and just goes aaron's like no john stop that and chiana goes faster <laughs> so he's like oh sorry and then puts some stashes them somewhere safe yeah oh uh, yeah that was pretty fun back up at pilot's den axacor is talking to pilot and saying that basically he needs that pilot needs to send a message to a certain location he says i'm going to release two of your arms if you don't do what i say i will kill you and this leviathan do you understand yes and he starts 
sending basically a signal in Scarron, which Scorpius picks up because he's inside this man's chest. Yeah, he can hear everything he's saying. It's like, he's calling a dreadnought to come and pick us up. Oh dear, we need to get on this. John needs to know about this. Yeah, because Scorpius says, John cannot fall into Scarron hands. And Scorpius says, the Scarrons won't spare anybody. They won't leave anyone alive. And so Dargo then goes along with Scorpius and comms John and says to him, it's like, can you trust Scorpius? More today than yesterday. Mm, which is a, yeah, that's an interesting line. Mm-hmm. Oh, like that plus, you know, you think our relationship has progressed that far from earlier? Apparently it has. John and Scorpy working together? To be fair, Scorpy was carrying a live rifle. He didn't shoot John in the back. Like, so far, everything Scorpius has said about wanting to safeguard John seems to be true. Yeah, but don't forget, as was reminded in the previously on, I'm here to safeguard John Crichton, among other things. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we do not have the full picture. But anyway, John seems ready to believe Scorpius. So Dargo explains, like, there's a Scarron dreadnought coming to get us. The lead guy is a Scarron. So we need to get out of here as soon as possible. And so the other hunters, they get ready. They surround the cargo bay. Yeah, because they found out where John is. And so one of them goes in. The DRDs open fire. Yeah, John opens fire. Nothing really happens. Yeah, they just stand there just like, what? What? come at me bro john's like okay time to retreat turns around walks into the other hunter that came in from the other side john just whacks him with the rifle which does very little and john's like oh this is gonna hurt yeah and he gets knocked to the floor so then we go back to pilot's den and pilot says he's received no acknowledgement of axical signal so far and axical's like "Mm, well let me know as soon as you do or you know he's still impatient and so we then we cut back again to John in the cargo bay, and he's talking to the hunters like he's he's just sort of got himself propped up. He's got blood coming from his nose, and he says like, "So uh, you guys, uh, henchmen, always the first in danger and the last to know. You know you're working for a Scarron, right? He's called a dreadnought. It's going to be here any second. And they're like, basically, I mean, they don't say it, but they're basically like bullshit. Yeah, they just look at him like. Mm. They don't believe him. And John's like, go ahead, go check. Like, I have no beef with anyone in particular. Scarons, peacekeepers, either way, I'm dead anyway. But you guys, yeah, be ashamed if something happened to you. Look at it from this perspective. If I'm wrong, nothing actually happens. Heck, you can come back and take your aggression out on me. But if I'm right, yeah, we'll be smoking the peace pipe. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. He makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like, yeah. They lose nothing in just checking. Like... You know what? Even if they don't want to ask the commander, they can just ask Pilot to play back the message and yeah. then have the commander explain why he's talking to Scarron. That's what John suggested. So they, one of them goes up to Pilot's den. Yeah, because there's like three of them. They're like, okay, we can keep John secured with two. Yeah, so they, one of them goes up to see Axicor in the den and says, like, remove your helmet to prove you are Karishi. Not Scarron. Yeah, there's a bit of a standoff where they look at each other. And Exocor just turns around and says, preposterous. And he hits a button on his wrist and the guy in front of him just falls down. There's like small discharges on his armor, like this like plastic explosive almost, thinly laid, where it just breaches parts of the armor. And this also happens to the two uh, guarding John, just blasting out like oozing blood after and it just collapse onto the floor and like that's sh- the shot with the helmet lying on the ground and the just red 
stuff pouring out of it. Very cool because you get a lot of how incredibly detailed these helmets yeah. are. Yeah, oh yeah, they're so really detailed, these like mecha- yeah. That's why I went for like the Michael Bay Decepticon, you know, Transformer. Yeah. Like the little greebly like metallic bits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so so that went way better than expected for John. Yeah, it's like three down, one to go. Yeah, three down in like one go because Axicore had a kill switch for all of them. Which is cold, but I mean, if you're a Scarn spy, you'd install, like, small charges inside your crew just to be like, well, jigs up, bye. Yep. Well, he was he was clearly in charge, so yeah. Mm. So, God. But also, just, like, John is lucking out here because this is really bad for Exocore because now it's just him. Mm. And John also says to the DRDs, like, okay, cut this guy's arm off. I need these. He needs the gloves. <laughs> oh yeah, he he does need the gloves. So they start shooting away at the um at the armor, <laughs> and so um, Axicor. Then we see he receives a response from the Scarron. So like, and it's in Scarron, and mm-hmm. so uh, Scorpius translates for Dargo. Then he says that ah, they won't risk coming after Moya with the command carrier in the area. I'm like, oh great, Grazer is close. Well, yeah, well we know that Grazer's looking for them, but yeah, so okay. But that makes sense. You know, they're not going to risk it. So they have to rendezvous somewhere else. So, okay. So they, he's going to load them up in something and get out of there. And so then we got back to John putting on the handset from the armor of one of the bounty hunters. Yeah, and he, he's emptied most of the mush out. But as he en- puts his arm, he's like, oh, it's still warm. You can hear like a squelching noise. Like, as he puts his arm in, he's like, oh, oh. <sighs> and I think also in the the scene before that where he gets eighteen twelve to start cutting it off, he says to Chiana, it's like, okay, quick, start telling me the code for taking the cuffs off and for shrinking things. So when we cut back to this scene, he's putting the code in and the cuffs come off Chiana and uh, Aaron. Then he also releases the other container, which has Sokozu and Rigel in it. He's like, hey, I found a tap hole. <laughs> and it's like, Quick, make us big again. It's like, I only have the coat for releasing the clamps and shrinking. So uh, let's not do that. I don't want to blow you up by accident. But he releases their uh, cuffs. And so Dargo then comes, John's like, Axicor's on his way to escape. He's not going to go for a transport pod. He's going to go for the Prowler because it's faster. I like that Aaron's like, when she says, like, Frell. <laughs> and John's like, okay, i got to go try and intercept him. But and he leaves them behind because they're still tiny. And 1812 is there as well. And Aaron's like, yes. Aaron's like, okay, oh, he's never going to get there in time. Um... Or he's not going to be able to hold him off. I have an idea. And Chiana's like, hey, where are you going? Chiana still can't see properly. So Aaron's like, look, stay here. I've got an idea. And I'm like, I know where this is going and this is good. Because John's running into the hangar and Axicor's released the... Oh, right. There's a little detail we forgot to mention that they'd actually locked down all the other things like the module and the ships... It was when Scorpius huh. says when they busted in and took everybody out in like a few microts and they locked down all the other ships with magnetic clamp. Oh, right. That was in such a small throwaway line. I did not hear it. But you don't you, like you don't need it. It no, makes sense it, that they clamped fine. down. But I, I realized that, yes, they did mention that at the beginning of the episode. Um, so he releases the clamp on the Prowler. Can I just say that this guy looks really awesome? He's taken his helmet off by this point because he doesn't need the charade anymore. He looks this armor on him with that face is yeah. very cool. Like the red lighting on the shoulder pads and like yeah, the, the half cape. Yeah, it's cool. And so he's 
going to he releases the clamp and john's like round the corner and he's like damn and then erin comes in riding on top of 1812 yes and she shouts up to john it's like john just take him out i'll make sure he can't use the prowler she just looks and says fire and 1812, like, unloads on the Prowler, disabling it. John's like, hey, let's have a scrap. John actually hides for a second as Aaron gets shot on. Though right. she hit, they hit 1812 and she falls off. But I'm like, oh, 1812. First, 1812, no. I think he'll be okay. I don't know if it fully hit him. He didn't explode. But also, like, wow, Aaron got lucky there. A little bit higher and she'd just been vapor. Yeah. So yeah, John's hiding around a corner, and Axacor like sneak like walks up to where um, Aaron and eighteen twelve are, and like John comes out from behind the corner with like a big metal disc and like whacks Axacor in the face with it. Like, and that's where you keep your helmet on, rookie. <laughs> yeah. He just whacks him twice. Like first is just dazes him for a second. The second one just knocks him it's, down. It's almost like Looney Tunes, almost of like, mm-hmm. and it's like he's being hit with a um, like a sewer cover. Like, <laughs> like, oh. well, it looks a little bit like a sewer cover, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, okay. And so then they get into a scrap. Yeah, but no, not just any scrap. Yes. <laughs> a shrinky, growy scrap. Oh, actually, before they start fighting, um, he while Axacor is knocked down, he retrieves Dargo and Scorpius from, yeah. from his chest first. Yeah, but Axacor starts punching him, so Dargo and Scorpius go rolling away. It's like, ah! <laughs> Like, inside yeah. them, spinning around. And so then they have a scrap, and they both have the shrink ray on their gauntlets. And so they start shrinking each other. Like, they're, they're fighting in the hangar bay. One of them gets shrunk, and then the other one shrinks the other one. So now they're both tiny, and they're both fighting. Yeah, it's like they, they shrink each other at the same time, and then they're like... And, and then Exocor resizes himself, and John's like, got it, that's the code I need. So Get big code! Resize, he resizes himself just in time before... To not get sm- swished by the dagger. And they t- have a little bit of a fight. And then they get shrunk down again. And there's a bit of back and forth where one of them is big. One of them small. Mm-hmm. And then eventually John gets the upper hand. He gets big while Axacor gets small. And he just smushes him with his boot. Yeah, because John's like... J- John doesn't take any time to just smush him. It's like... <laughs> you can see just a tiny little boot sticking out from under john's boot and he says god bless you john Crichton." he says one small step for man yes uh and then <laughs> he sort of looks down at the red splodge on the floor where of what used to be axical and he says something in spanish ah now see this this is where the uh farscape wiki uh synopsis comes in handy because he says uh donde esta la cucaracha which is where is the cockroach in spanish <laughs> It's just like, oh, oh, I didn't get that, but that's great. That's oh, great. Oh, that is fantastic. I may have got the exact Spanish wrong, but he says, where is the cockroach in Spanish? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> and so now he's he's killed Axicore. He can make people big again. Everything's great. Yeah, everything is fine again. And so they and then we sort of cut away. And then when we cut back, you know, some time has passed. Everybody's been re-enlarged. And John and Dargo are having a conversation, saying, like, what do we do with Scorpius? It's like, well, the thing is, I don't think we have a cage that can hold him. Well, do you trust him? No, no. I mean, he did put his life on the line for us, but no, no, not really. I don't know. Yeah, John's confused. He's not sure what to think. And like like you said, Dargo says that he can't, that they can't hold him. So 
Yeah. For now, he can go where he wants on the ship. But they keep an eye on him 24-7. Yeah, because he could go where he wanted to before, you know. He, he, could, yeah. he could get out of there anyway, but they're going to keep a close eye on him at all times. And then, <laughs> then Rigel comes up from command as he's looking at the uh, front view screen. and says, um, there's an old woman floating outside. What's going on? <laughs> John's like, oh, oh, I forgot. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Oh, Ma- major whoops. Um, Dargo, do me a favor. Can you po- pop out the Hammond side port and um, retrieve Granny? What? Just look. There's like red Play-Doh in her pocket. Just dose her with a bit of that. She'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> like he just forgot that she was out there. Like, be glad three arms have passed. Yeah. <laughs> she could be dead. Uh, Why do I care about this? <laughs> exactly. It's like, thought they didn't care about it anyway so then there's one more scene before we finish this episode and uh we're in pilot's den and Crichton is there talking to pilots and they actually calm uh aaron who's walking through a corridor and pilot says like officer sun commander Crichton and i wish to ask your advice before we approach this subject with captain dargo i'm like oh right dargo's captain hasn't really come up a lot but eh. Uh, on the other hand, there was a crisis situation. Yeah. Not really a chance for him to be a captain. They were all captured, so. But Pilot says, is like, with the danger they face in Peacekeeper space, and even the uncharted territories, and given that the Scarans are going to be looking for them now, they're reluctantly forced to consider traveling into... Tormented space. Aaron, you can clearly see Aaron just go blank. Cause, well, because she stops in her tracks and like sits down when they mention tormented space. And uh, John's like, "Hey, you know what that is?" She's like, "Yes, I do." It's a place where neither peacekeepers nor scarons will travel. And John's like, "Yeah, rough neighborhood." Well, hard to say. There's only a few scouts that ever came back from there. Yeah, they usually vanish. Pilot says navigation will be hazardous as the area is reportedly a nexus of wormholes. Then why haven't we gone there sooner? Well, John says, like, is Moya okay with that? Because we know Moya doesn't like wormholes. Fair point, actually. At this point, that makes a lot of sense. And Pilot says, like, yes, Moya is uneasy, but sees that there is no other choice, despite her reluctance, yeah. Yeah, and Aaron agrees. John's like, well, look on the bright side. It can't be worse than some of the places we've been to. And Aaron just says, trust me, it can. And that's the end of the episode. She's been there before. Yeah, clearly, like she know or she knows something about it. Like, yeah, she she knows about tormented space. So. It's just such a good name, <laughs> tormented space. It's I know it's supposed to sound goofy, not intentionally, but it it should sound goofy, but it doesn't. For some reason, it doesn't. Good news, everyone! You're going to the forbidden zone. <laughs> <laughs> what that sounds awful it's like oh don't worry everything is like that in the galaxy of terror <laughs> like, what this sounds like to me is like the tormented space very good point actually <laughs> that's what it reminded me of but yeah so okay that was i shrink therefore i am that was a really good episode i enjoyed I like that episode a lot yeah good action interesting references good character moments like scorpius Scorpius and John, a little bit of Dargo and Scorpius, I guess. But definitely that scene with Sokozu and Rigel, it's like... Yeah, that was really good. So good. And, okay, so I know we complained a few episodes ago about John and Aaron being back on the will-they-won't-they train. It's not a factor in this episode. Well, no, but what what I'm 
getting at here is that it's clear that what John is doing with the root, he's mm-hmm. avoiding the pain. You know, he's yeah. he's self-medicating to avoid the pain of all the trouble he's dealing with, you know, with his feelings with Aaron. He's mm-hmm. running away from his problems rather than facing them. Yep. And I kind of I prefer that direction because it's like okay, he's not really making a rash he's not taking the rational approach. He's not doing the no. sensible thing. For once it's not a will they won't they. It's a no, he really He's running, like, hard from it. Because I, I kind of... I like that more than just, you know, they haven't talked about it or they're still working things yeah, yeah, out, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. That it is better. Let's wrap this up sometime soon. Yeah, but, let's, you know. like... Can, can we go to the next stage <laughs> yeah, please. of a natural relationship? Like, but no, we probably won't, but uh, never mind. Yeah. Sorry. Well, we, we'll we we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay. At uh, least they did it with Dargo and Chia. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, give yeah, him yeah. that. I also like that Ben Browder plays Crichton slightly differently during this episode. Mm. Like, he's not wildly different like he would be in, like, I don't know, Crackers Don't Matter. But he seems a little bit more... A little bit more spaced out, a little bit more disconnected. He's still doing all his usual stuff. It's just, it's a very subtle thing that he seems a bit more... I, I felt like half a step detached. Yes, right, that's the right word. Yeah, about like half a step detached from what's going on. Still trying to do, you know, trying to save the day in his usual method, but just seemed a bit more detached. Mm-hmm. It's not overblown. It's not like he's, you know, zoning out completely, but... It's just there, and it's a little bit subtle, and I I really like that because it's mm. like, yeah, he's medic he's self medicating with the um the the forgetty nose the stuff. root yeah the, the root. root and yeah so he's not you know fully himself all right John you got some issues to work through man yeah if we want to rate this episode I'm like I'm aiming four out of five easy four out of five for me it's it's edging up there you know it's yeah yeah it's it's a good four out of five but I don't think there's like anything to push it to a five, like nothing that just knocks it so hard out of the park. I, I think like, that's Ooh. fair. I mean, it's, it's again, it's kind of a bottle episode and a little self-contained thing. But what I mean by that is there aren't like really, really high stakes. No, that's that's true. Beyond the survival of the characters, which is up for grabs every week on this show. Yeah, that's fair. And <laughs> I do like again, like there's very good character scenes in here, like. Sikozu Rigel scene, one of the best scenes I've seen in a while. So, yeah, but aside from that, nothing that would elevate it far enough to get that five, which is like, yeah. it, the five is always a special achievement. Yeah, very true. So, yeah, four out of five, really good episode. Like I said, we're hitting those beats every week now. Mm-hmm. It's been mm-hmm. a good run. So, hopefully, we can keep that up and we can, you know, keep it going through the uh, episodes coming up. And also, you know, we've got a few other things that we've been introduced to in this episode, a new type of Scarron, the ruling class of Scarron. So yeah. presumably, since they're the leaders, they're probably going to come back at some point. I do hope so, because they look really cool. They're really cool. But there you go. Yeah, four out of five for this episode. It's really good. A lot of fun. And just gr- I love seeing Scorpius actually work with John. Like mm, those mm. whole, those scenes were great. And yes, it's weird, but... Scorpy becoming kind of a part of the crew, it doesn't feel forced, right? It, no, it, it, it's very slow. It's very, it's a slow burn, and they still don't trust him. But he's proved that he's willing to risk his neck for them in some certain situations. Yeah, in some capacity. So let's see what's up next week. So that was I shrink, therefore I am. Up next week is episode nine: a perfect murder. is this going to be a detective episode because i'd be okay with that maybe so the crew of moya get caught up in a planetary coup and aaron gets bitten by a bug that makes her go 
Murder Crazy. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. Oh my. <laughs> well, we'll see what that is. Yeah, so looking forward to that uh, next week. But uh, yeah, that's it from us this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. This was a fun one to uh, discuss and talk about. We, we, had, mm-hmm. we had a lot of fun with this. So we'll be back next time, like I said. Until then, you can find us around the web on Twitter at Hats and Red. At RedNimer7. Don't forget to check out uk, which has links to RSS feeds for this podcast and iTunes. And if you find us on iTunes, uh, consider leaving a rating. Helps us out. And it's all supported by the Carnival Hats Patreon patreon.com forward slash can't hats if you want to support this podcast so yeah that's it from us we'll see you next time have a good week everybody goodbye for now goodbye oh hey red check this out i got a new shrink ray oh sweet does it work yeah let's turn it on let's shrink us down it'll be really cool all right here we go Whoa! Oh, it's so... Oh, man. Everything's so big. Look at the size of your desk, man. This is cool. Oh, man, yeah, look at that. Oh, that's a penny. That's massive. Okay, now let's get back to regular size. I... Oh. Oh, I didn't... I didn't read that part of the manual. Oh, the manual's in my car. Oh, no. No, no, wait, no, wait, wait. I've got it, I've got it. I'll just widen the beam and I'll shrink everything else in the world. No, wait, no! Here we go. (laughs) 